0: Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name, the show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hoover. On today's episode, I'm joined here with my guest Tashina. Tashina is actually one of my friends Um, She's like a big sis to me, and I'm super grateful to have her in my life and really honored that she is willing to uh, share her story here today. Tashina, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Maya, thank you so much for having me. Um, What Maya said, I agreed we are privileged to be in each other's lives, and I'm so honored to be a part of her life and here today. My name is Tashina. I am 34 years old. I met him August of 2011 through our church at the time, and I have been out of that situation for six years now. How did it start? It started slowly along the way, about six to eight months, and with some emotional, verbal manipulation, me not realizing that he was manipulating me, almost every day and, um, just talking down to me, tearing me down. I wasn't even really paying attention at at first to that. Then the first time it became physical, it was probably about a year and a half in. And I remember that he threw me to the ground, landing on top of me when we were at a park. So it was like hard, um, dirt, grass area and bruising, my ribs from it. Mm. And I think that's the moment that I realized that something was wrong, but I didn't leave him. I allowed him to convince me to stay, like to come back to him. I initially was like, I can't do this. And I got scared. But then the next day, so quickly and easily, like he convinced me to come back. Mm. And share some experiences um in the abuse journey with him i think like the emo- a mental and emotional part was the worst part and this is like a really graphic way to say it but and i i say this repeatedly when i share this story with people who i feel comfortable to and i will say it again and again because i truly mean this um, i've had the physical abuse from him, and then I'd been raped by someone else. And I would take the physical abuse and the rape again over what he did to me mentally. Like how he just... My mind was so warped hmm. by the end of it. And I think that was the biggest part for me. Um, he'd always make me feel like I was crazy. He took advantage of the fact that he knew that I, had, I have bipolar. And he made me feel like I was selfish Him, he'd tell me all the time how selfish I was and I was just always giving up my time doing stuff for him and helping him with ministry doing stuff that probably he should have been doing to be honest and then never like thanking me for it um I was always the one in the wrong no matter what always the one apologizing almost always
0: Hmm.
1: and then anytime he would hit me he would somehow turn it on me and say well I'm sorry but you did this, or you did that, or you make me crazy, or you doing this makes me angry, so I have to hit you, or yeah, yeah. he would never be able to take responsibility for what he did. <laughs> uh, and then the spiritual part, you know, he he would act as if we were like married, and he'd always be like, "Well, we're gonna get married someday, so we need to practice for marriage." And so he would try to like hold that over me and take spiritual leadership over me. And use it as a way to decide everything for me and control me. Like even within ministry, um, even if I wanted to like speak up against something that I thought was being done wrong in the church or anything. He was just like, no, you can't do that. Or, you know, I'm not going to allow you to do that. Hmm. And uh, the physical part, his anger would build up so easily and I could always tell when it was going to happen. I could see it in his eyes, and um, and I would freeze, and I couldn't move, and it was like I was immobilized, mm. like I had no physical fight in me, and then he'd just always say, you're the reason why this is happening, like you're so crazy that you make me mad, and it's your fault, mm. um, you make me so upset when you're crazy like that,
0: so... Well, and I think also, like, um, I know for me, before I experienced, like, an abusive relationship, I had heard of others who were in abusive relationships, either within my family or, like, friends. And there was sort of this judgment that I had regarding people who have been abused because I would think, because I hadn't experienced it myself, like why would someone allow for someone else to hurt them? And why are they still with them? And why aren't they leaving? And I cast judgment on them because I didn't understand. Um, But I think what you just said about how he made you feel like you were truly crazy and how, I mean, it's a strong state. It's a strong statement to say, I would take the rape or the physical abuse over the mental and psychological and emotional abuse that I've encountered. But people don't realize the great amount of distress that happens when you're under high levels of stress and emotional and psychological abuse Mm -hmm. for long periods of time, even short periods of time. And so in this, in this situation, it's like, you know, progressed to physical abuse and he, he hits you. And then he says, it's your fault. You made me do this because you drive me crazy And you really start to think, I'm really crazy, and it really is my fault because you have been under manipulation for a long period of time that has caused you to really not see your situation as a whole very clearly at all. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, I truly believed. It didn't take long because he just said stuff so often or like even, like I said at first when I didn't realize what he was doing, it was like he was... Setting it up for it. Mm. And I did. I truly believed everything he said about me. And I forgot who I was. And I forgot who I was in Christ. And I forgot how God saw me. And all I saw was the way he saw me. Mm. And I did. I believed it without a doubt. Yeah. And you're right. Like I didn't think I would ever allow something like that either. But it is. It's different in the moment. So. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I think like the most painful part, uh, is when he got to the point of making fun of my son. So to clarify for anyone listening, when I met him, I was a single mom and I was actually pregnant with the son that, um, that was from the man who raped me and was going through the process of adoption for him. And so when uh, we really started, like, getting more serious and he was, you know, slowly manipulating me and got into that, he would start calling my son, like, retarded and different things like that. Mm -hmm. And those were the moments where I actually got hit most of the time. Really? Because I would never defend myself. But when it came to my son, which honestly doesn't say much because, like, Can't believe I was even with him if he even said those things about my son. Mm. But again, I was just like in that warped state. But he, yeah, he would call him retarded. He was saying that he was like the worst part about the fact that I was sloppy thirds by the time it came around to him. Mm. And he had convinced me absolutely without a doubt that no one would ever want me because I was sloppy thirds and I was a single mom. Mm. Which is so bizarre because there's so many people that are open to that and Mm -hmm. care about people who are like single moms and have kids and want to get to know their kids so I think that was the most painful part is I truly believe that he made me believe that and I yeah I just didn't think anybody wanted me except for him so I felt like I was trapped Mm -hmm. because nobody else would love me or take care of me yeah so um so I think what made me think of leaving and how I did it. Um, so he was very just strategic in how he hit me. Mm-hmm. He would never hit me on the face. But, you know, we both did ministry at the church. And so I think he knew, like, people would see that. And he was very good at, like, where he hit me. And most of the time he would hit me, like, ram me into things. Or he would punch me really hard in the stomach. Mm-hmm. Um So the last time when that happened, we were on the way back from somewhere. And it wasn't far from my parents, actually, Mm. in Rio Rancho. And we were on a main street. And he got upset at me for something. And, of course, it was about my son. And I was driving. I was the one driving. Mm. And he punched me so hard that I almost blacked out. Wow. And it took everything within me, and I truly believe it was the Lord, to stay conscious just long enough to use my turn signal, get over the other lane, turn to the right, and park. And I knew my parents were like two miles away, and I literally, it was my car. I got out of the car and I ran as fast as I could for two miles to my parents' house. And I was just like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And I told my parents. And. What's really crazy to me. And I say crazy. Not saying I'm crazy. But like the situation. Is that even a little bit after that. I hung out with him a few more times later on. Because I felt sorry. Like felt sorry for him. Mm -hmm. And then realized that like. I was getting sucked back in again. But. What was good about that was I had the strength immediately to say no and walk away. And then I never went back after that. I think I really realized something was wrong when he threw me down to the ground at that park and landed on top of me and bruised my ribs and... I left him right after that, totally freaked out. And he even looked a little freaked out, too, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told him that I was done. And I went home. And when I had to lie to my parents about what happened, mm-hmm. I actually told my mom something really lame. Uh, they had one of those arbors like the iron arbors in front of like the entrance towards their house because it's kind of like a small walkway towards the door to their house and there's like grates on it on the bottom where it balances to keep it up Mm -hmm. and where it lined up like I remember even crossing over it that night and looking at it and thinking oh I can say I tripped and fell on this because I'm so clumsy that's really easy for anyone to believe that like I would hurt myself in ways that people don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true though. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I was like, okay, there's my excuse. And at the time it wasn't covering it up because I thought we were still going to be together. I just was like embarrassed and ashamed even of that. Mm-hmm. So I told my parents that, and I remember I even lost, like I lost my job because I couldn't go into work for like two weeks because I was in so much pain. I don't know if you've ever had the bruised ribs. I'm sure some of the listeners have, and it is so painful. Mm -hmm. Like, hurts to breathe all the time. So, um, yeah, that really hit me, but then, of course, like, he, the next day, immediately, the way he's texting me, like, you know, he's already had that, like, little foundation of manipulation with me, and already, you know, my mind's, being warped by that time when he started physically abusing me that unfortunately it was so easy for me to allow him to you know I'm so sorry I'll never do that again I can't believe I did that and I think part of it was like when I saw the shocked look on his face when he said I can't believe I did that that made it more believable for me
0: like, he seemed genuinely sincere. Yeah, he
1: yeah. did. He seemed... And maybe he was. At at that point, maybe he was. At least about the physical abuse. Um, because I don't know if all abusers start out immediately, like, you know, just brushing it off. So, yeah, I... Um, getting back into the relationship with him pretty quickly after that, it was like he was trying to, like, recover from it already. Like... Being a little nicer for a while, which, you know, wasn't common for him at that point already. Mm-hmm. And you could tell he did feel guilty some, but I think looking back, the you know, the last six years, when I was able to come out of that situation and see it differently and see it with, like, open eyes and the right eyes, um, I think it was mostly, like, he knew that he had to do that so that I would stay with him. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, I think a little bit in when he started being, like, mean again, with his words even, that even more so that was like, oh, this really is wrong, isn't it? But Mm -hmm. I already loved him so much at that point, which I know, again, like we were saying earlier, like, it's hard to explain. How do you love someone that treats you that way? But I was, I was already at that point, so... Um, I think the worst part for me would have to be the emotional and mental part. I have said this many times before, and I will continue to say it because I believe it without a doubt in my core. I know it to be my truth. I would take being raped like I was in the past or physically abused I would take that again over any of the mental and emotional abuse that he put me through because it literally took years for me to recover from that, from him saying things like, you're sloppy thirds. Um, and nobody would want you but me because you're a mom. And your body's not the same as it would have been if I had met you before we had, that you had kids. Um, he just knew, he knew, you know, he knew my weaknesses. We'd known each other enough by then that he knew all my insecurities. And I think that's pretty common with any abuser, whether it's physical or emotional or verbal. Um, he knew all my insecurities. He knew how to target me with them. Play on them and hurt me really bad mm. um, and I remember one time we went to a movie together and it wasn't something that I would normally see I think it was like the second 300 movie or something like that mm. not my type of movie okay <laughs> and I didn't know I didn't know like how graphic it was or anything like that and I don't even think I'd seen the first one and there's this like an intense rape scene in it mm. and it and it was around that time, it was like a year and a half into our relationship. And it really triggered something in me. And I got really upset and had to walk away for a while and then came back. And instead of like comfort- comforting me about it or asking if I was okay afterwards, he was like, What was that about? Why did you do that? And he knew that I had been raped. Mm-hmm. And I said, Well, I think you know like that. I was like, I'm still working through that sometimes. Cause I didn't remember it for a while after it happened. It like came back in like phases Mm -hmm. after I got pregnant and he would, he'd be like, uh, he said, Oh yeah. He said, um, well, why does that bother you? That was a while ago. And he's like, and honestly it was probably your fault that it happened anyway. Really? Yeah. So, um, cause he, you know, he knew all the specifics surrounding it too. Um, so I think that made it easier for me to believe that he was right, that it was my fault. Mm -hmm. And I didn't actually really think of it as my fault until then. So. Wow. So he like sort of inserted that Mm -hmm. lie. Yeah. Yeah. I did have a little bit of the shame that I think anyone would have to different degrees when you get sexually abused or raped or anything like that. But I didn't claim it as my fault. Yeah, And then he spoke that into me. Well,
0: and I think also, like, his words, um, I mean, they were important to you because you loved him. And so what he says carries weight. And I think, I mean, yeah, in any relationship, like, um, you have the opportunity to either speak, like, life or death right like and Mm -hmm. so he chose to speak into your life in a really harmful negative way and use something so traumatic like a rape that you had experienced and yeah truly inflicted just like pain and I feel like that's already like a wound that was you know I don't know if at the time you felt like it was like healed it sounds like you were I'm still walking through some still of the healing but yeah but he yeah. sort of just like completely reopened the oh, wound yeah.
1: very fresh after that yeah
0: intentionally
1: mm-hmm. yeah um yeah i think the only time he really spoke life into me was when it was for his benefit for ministry hmm. so and that took me a long time to see too but yeah it's like i look back and i'm like wow he never he always spoke things of death into me mm. unless it was for something for his gain when he was in ministry like to make him look good or to work for what we were doing in ministry yeah so um i think like that segues really well into like spiritually um so You know, he was, he did college ministry. He was the head of college ministry at the church we went to. And I did worship leading for it. And he would try to take spiritual leadership over me as if we were married already. And he would be like, well, we're practicing for marriage because we're going to get married someday. Which, of course, was always a lie because I don't know if he ever truly had the intention of actually marrying me. Mm. So, um and he would use it as a way to, like, decide everything for me, even, like, within ministry, like, what I would do or not do, or what I would say or not say, or how I would say it. You know, like, there's some things in the church I just didn't always agree with, how it was run, and I wanted to speak up, or I would want to speak up to defend myself, whether it was the right thing to do or not at the time. Um, he would always be like, no, you'll make me look bad. Like, I'm I'm part of the church staff. Like, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And it would always be about, like, if it would make him look bad or not. He was just always so concerned about what the staff at the church would think and not, like, just me being me. So, Mm -hmm. um, and it was crazy because I, like, I had nothing to do with him. It was all things that I was part of. Like, I did a a worship internship there, and one of the things with that I was going to mention, and then, you know, something else I was doing with worship, and he's just like, nope, 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 nope. Just like, this has nothing to do with you, but yeah. you want to control it because you're so afraid of, like, something, you know, mm-hmm. that'll make you look bad. Yeah. But, yeah, so, um, and I think with that, too, I allowed it to affect me missing out on opportunities with ministry there, too. Mm-hmm. And then he would also be like, oh, <laughs> it was so confusing, like, because, you know, we were obviously having a sexual relationship when we shouldn't have before marriage. And while we're both, like, doing stuff for the church, he's staff on the church, I do worship leading for the college ministry, and having sex, you know, quite often, to be honest. And we would do that, and then he'd be like, oh, let me teach you, like, how to do a real study with the Word. Like, it was just so, like, looking back, I'm just like, that is so bizarre. Yeah. How did I not see how twisted that was. Hmm. And he would, like, tell me how to have my relationship with the Lord when we were both, like, living in such, like, yeah. Yeah. Secret shame, basically, is what it was. So, <clears throat> um, physically, with him, his anger would build up so easily sometimes. And I think most of the time when that would happen
0: was with when he would talk about my son um so I actually wanted to just backtrack for a sec and go into the more of like the spiritual aspect um I've noticed that over time like uh a lot of the people who have contacted me have been Christians um and it's not always like this. Um, and obviously this podcast isn't intended for only people who are Christians. Um, you know, that's what I believe and um never want to force my belief onto somebody else. However however, this is like a space where if you know each guest is is uh a believer then, then we incorporate faith into the conversation and I think that's something that continues to come up because a large portion of my audience is Christian um, through Instagram. Is that a lot of the people who've experienced uh, abuse have experienced it through somebody who was working either in the church and ministry, who was doing missions, a pastor, and you know, people are people, whether or not you're in the church or you're not. Like, mm-hmm. you're still a person, and and there is sin there. People are imperfect. However, you are held to a higher standard, especially when you know you're a pastor, uh, and when you're working in ministry. And it just really, it's starting to like nag at my heart. I think that. That this is a recurring theme. It's something that I experienced in my own life. And that's why I remained silent for so long. Was because like I truly was like people are not going to believe me. And from the outside looking in you know my ex seemed like a really great Christian man. And then behind closed doors that was a different story. Um... And especially in the church, I think, like, for us, we really portrayed this very happy Christian life that couldn't have been farther from the truth. And so I just really want to, like, touch on this subject. I know you guys weren't married, but, like, you guys were dating. Um, And I think you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think there was, like, a level of almost, like, um, you felt like you should be safe with this person because he was somebody in the church and maybe even somebody who you looked up to spiritually. And he kind of, like, not just only abused you, but, like, abused that place of, like, spiritual... Almost like he had, like, a spiritual authority in your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We When we met, I was pregnant
1: with my other son that is now adopted by a really amazing family, by the way. It's an open adoption. But, um... I trusted him, and I was confiding in him, like, a lot of stuff that I was going through and had gone through, and at first, like, he just acted like he was listening and being my friend, and then all of a sudden, it became, like, more personal when we, like, kissed, and it was just kind of, like, happened, or at least for me, it kind of happened. I don't know if that was his plan, to be honest, but, um, yeah, yeah, definitely agree with that, and then it was when we were at church, like... <sighs> I think some people suspected not what actually was happening. They just suspected that there was something weird with our relationship because it was, like, almost like he was so overly paranoid. Mm -hmm. Even about us, like, doing physical things in the background that nobody knew about. He would, like, barely hold my hand at church. Like, anything, like, a normal dating couple, even in the church atmosphere, would do. Mm -hmm. He would barely do that. And people had even, like, mentioned stuff to him and me about, like, hey, you know, we're glad you're keeping your boundaries so well, but, like, it almost seems like you guys aren't really relaxed. Like, is everything okay, you know? So, and I would tell him that, like, you don't even really want to hold my hand Mm -hmm. and, like, show affection to me Mm -hmm. in front of people. And, like, it it hurt my feelings, too. And he also hid me from his um, mom and grandma because he was ashamed of me because I was a single mom. So, um, yeah, and so... I think that's exactly what that's happened. Ridiculous. I know, I know. That's I like laughed about it now. But the just the position that he had, you're right. Like it was, you want to so easily trust those people because of that positioning. And again, it reminds you like everybody's human, everybody's val- valuable. And um, I think the biggest thing that I have an issue with is him and other people can do this too. Where like they pretend that they're not. Mm-hmm. And that they are, and they won't bring those things out to light. They just want to hide them in the dark all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest difference for me. Um, that bugs me so much. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, especially when they're in that position because, um, because you're just seen by so many more people it's not that you're any that you're any different you're still human but the problem is you are meant to be more of an example and you should be more honest about things that you're struggling with and work through them right. so that people can see that and then be that example because a lot of people look up to you in that position
0: yeah so well and i think it's like i think that this is this is a hard truth and it's something that I have had to come to terms with and it's that I think I don't know if it's even like because I was naive but but like I genuinely thought that like as long as I'm dating someone who is in the church and who's a Christian like I'll be okay like Mm -hmm. I'll be safe I'll be good and that's not (laughs) where am I going with this like because it's really important to me I feel like this topic of just really that as for those of you who are listening who uh you know are Christians and even I mean you listeners who aren't like I think that we have to like come to a point where I feel like we recognize that like people are people and like just because there's a title over them, um, whether that be that they are a youth pastor or they are a worship leader or uh, I don't know, they, you know, are in charge of this, this team in church, like that does not mean anything. Like it does not like secure you that this person is, is you know not a psychopath, and that's like that's like a very far far fetched like thing to say, but like the chances of them being a psychopath are quite quite small, but like um, they're out there, and like I'm only saying that because I was like married to one, and like you were dating one, and uh, the last girl was uh, uh, almost you know she was she was married to one, and so it's mm-hmm. like. I'm saying that because like these stories are real. These aren't fictional stories. They're not made up. Like this is real life, real people's stories and experiences and unfortunately experiences with people within the church. And so I just feel like and I feel like this urgency lately of like really just being aware of like that you're not placing people on a pedestal because they are involved in the church or they claim to be a Christian, um, and really recognizing that, like, if you're in a toxic relationship or you're in a relationship where uh, there are red flags, I don't, you know, if they're on the worship team, great, but, like, they sh- they probably need to, like, check their heart and check, you know, check themselves because, like, it doesn't mean that um, you're necessarily going to be in a safe, safe, um, arms with them. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I yeah. think whatever title you have, whether
1: it's in, in ministry or anywhere in the world, um, does not make you exempt from being fallible because we yes. we all are. Amen. And so <laughs> don't ever pay attention I, and I mean this in the sense of relationship. Like do not ever pay attention to the title to help you decide whether you're gonna be in a relationship with someone, friendship or more Um, because that's not, that's not something to go off of, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting, like there's such a large influence with that to the point that when I was with him, I had such great mentors in my life in that church. Mm. Um, One of them being our mutual friend Mm. and speaking such good things into my life and over my life. And even like you know, always checking in to make sure. And I I had so many opportunities to tell them what was going on and I didn't because I felt the need to protect him because of the title that he had. Wow. That title had such power over me that I didn't even tell the people that I confided in almost
0: more than anyone else. I told them everything else except for those things
1: with him. So
0: do you think it was more that, like, you didn't want to change people's perception of him? Or were you afraid of what they were going to say if you told them?
1: Honestly, I I don't remember being afraid of what they would say. You mean, like, more, like, about me? Or what they would say to tell me to like, leave? Or, yeah, to tell you to leave. I don't even think I thought of that part, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I was so focused and obsessed because I feel like he made me obsessed mm-hmm. with, like... Or I allowed him to make me obsessed with like how often he manipulated me in that department, especially like making sure that I knew, you know, these are the lines. Mm. These are the ones you don't cross when we're at church or when we're doing this, anything involved with ministry, yada yada, yada, yada. This is the line, this is the line, this line, this is the box that we're in, this is another box that we're in for this. Mm. Like, right. He had done that so well mm. that I didn't even realize. A lot of times, it just came out of me like it was no thought. I didn't even have to make the effort to remember mm. to say or not say things or do or not do things. Even when I was in my most confidential um, moment with these good friends, where I could confide to them, it was like it was so natural for me to like skip that part. Mm. I don't even. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I just like did it.
0: Were you ever afraid that people weren't going to believe you? Because he was someone in the church?
1: When I did consider some of the time sharing with people, um, I did sometimes think that, yeah. I thought, well, who am I? I'm nobody. And he's a college minister at, or does college ministry, he leads at at our church. And he's like working on becoming a pastor eventually. So why would anyone believe what I say? Mm. And, but, But I did get to the point where with a couple of those people, one of the ones I mentioned, where I knew they probably would Mm. believe me. But by the time that I knew without a doubt that they would believe me, I just, it was like, like I said, it was like an autopilot mode. Mm. It was almost like I made myself believe what I was saying about him when they would ask about our relationship. Yeah. It was so easy to lie and be like, oh, we have such a great relationship. He's so good
0: to me. He spoils me, yada, yada, yada. None of that was true. (laughs) and <laughs> I think you get really good at like compartmentalizing, like mm-hmm. I know I, I would have, yeah, you. I would have like almost a rehearsed line. Like, you know, oh, we're doing good. He's good. You know, he's just, you know, an X, Y, Z. And then it just became normal for me to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I wanted to, but because, yeah, I think, I think, I think there was so much at play there. Yeah.
1: Well, to be honest with me, it didn't take a lot for me to get into that mode because when I was younger, I was used to lying because of all the sexual abuse and everything else mm. that it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't too far-fetched for me, to be honest. Mm. I grew up a lot of my life already knowing how to like manipulate situations and lie. Mm. So, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that was, I think that was... That was a really tough part, like, looking back, thinking about that now. But now, like, there's so much being redeemed through that. But yes, mm-hmm. that was a really rough part. Yeah. Um, I would say... Did I talk about physical? Physical, I had mentioned earlier. Um, I think I'll just touch back on that a little bit. I was mentioning his anger being built up. Um, and I would see when he would hit me. So I think the biggest thing with that was... What is wild is, like, I look back, and I still don't even understand. Um, I don't even understand how this happened. But you do. You go into, like, this this trauma phase where it's, like, your mindset is completely different, and your body doesn't even know how to respond. Mm -hmm. And so when I know that he was about to hit me, I would become immobilized. Like, I couldn't move at all. I'd freeze and I'd become a mo- And he would always make it my fault when he would hit me and say things like, you make me so upset when you're crazy like that, so that's why I hit you. Mm. Or it's because you're crazy as to why I get mad and hit you. Um, or you're just so selfish sometimes, so that's why I hit you. Mm. Um, there would always be a reason why. him to hit me and he was really good at like hiding uh things he was so good about hitting me in the right spots he would like the biggest the biggest one was always hitting me in my stomach Hmm. and it would just like I mean there's times where I would vomit because it it was hurt so bad Hmm. um and then that yeah like that time in the park there would be other times one time we were in this hallway and he was yelling over me and I knew it was coming and I realized I was like up against the wall Mm -hmm. in the hallway and I was like I have nowhere to go so let's just get this over with is basically what I was thinking Mm -hmm. and I remember even thinking is this the time that he's going to kill me like, is this because I, I knew it could go that far, yeah, even if it was accidental? And so I remember he punched me in the stomach, and then I like slid down the wall, and then he kicked me in my stomach while I was on the floor, mm-hmm. and then walked away and was like yelling, Oh, you made me do this again. It was always immediately that was his response. Like, while I'm on the floor, like, trying not to vomit and crawling to the bathroom to go vomit in the toilet. Yeah. He just – it was always about me being responsible and anything that made him feel better. So – and he really – past a certain point, he pretty much never apologized. He would just immediately make it my fault. So then I would be
0: the one who would end up apologizing for why he hit me. Yeah. So – So I'm (laughs) curious, like, what – Because I know, like, um, everybody's experiences are so different. And with the physical abuse, how did that, like, manifest afterwards? So, like, you would have, uh, there would be an episode where he would be physically abusive. What would you do, like, literally physically afterwards? Physically, emotionally, mentally, like, how would you, like, get yourself from that point to, like, the next does that make sense
1: uh yeah like the next moment with him or like recovering from recovering it recovering or... from it um i don't i think after a certain point after the first couple of times mm-hmm. because i had dealt with some physical abuse with the guy that i stayed with for a little bit a while that ended up raping me um i went into like numb mode hmm. where Most of the time when I knew it was going to happen, it wasn't just the thought of, am I going to live through it this time? But I would, like, shut everything off. And so when he was done, I already knew what he was going to do and what would happen, and I'd be the one to end up apologizing. So if it was, like, me getting up to go vomit Mm -hmm. in the toilet or just, like, me getting up and waiting to feel better, then I would, like, look at him... And wait for him to be ready. Because of course he always made it about what he needed. Mm. And then. You know he would say a little bit more. Like I can't believe you made me do that again. And and it would be. It would be like oh I'm so sorry. And. A lot of times. I think. I would just be like well. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm going to go home. And I would act like. It was just like the end of our time together. Mm. And then go home and do anything else I could to not think about it. Like, a lot of times, I wouldn't even cry anymore. Mm. I just, like, totally numbed myself to it. Mm. So, I think a lot of parts of me were shut off a lot, off and on, throughout our relationship.
0: Yeah. So. so. Did he... So, he stopped, He stopped like, apologizing pretty early on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how would he what would he just wouldn't you guys just wouldn't no and, and that's where it
1: was like an auto where i knew that he was going to make it my fault and complain about how he had done that because of you know so and so reasons you know like me being crazy selfish the things i listed earlier mm-hmm. and then and it would it would always be like me
0: apologizing but he would never say sorry so would he Because I'm just thinking how, like, this plays into, like, the cycle of abuse. And so I'm just wondering, like, what your honeymoon phase looked like. Like, did you... Like, was he, you know, good for a while until he wasn't again? And that just kind of was how it went? Or, like, would he, like, you know, do something nice for you? Would he do nothing? Uh, Outside, like, past the first couple of times, it was
1: more like he would it was more like he would just not physically abuse me for a while and then maybe just try to be a little bit nicer with how he talked to me but it was never like buying me things or buttering me up with his words or anything like that it was like yeah which is weird because i know like some people but i think since i had such little fight in me at that point that he knew he could just.
0: Like, oh, we're back into this autopilot mode of this is what happened. So here we go. Did you ever think, like, this is the last time? Or were you like, no, he's going to do it again for sure? I thought I thought that after the first time, I
1: thought, okay, he won't do this again. And then at the second time, I thought, no, this is really, he won't. This is the last time. Those two times were it. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, it was just like I knew it would come eventually. And it was almost always when my son was brought up. So it was like I knew you know, for specifics, mm-hmm. one time when we, I was still living with my parents before we had our own place when I was a single mom. Um, I, my son had been there recently and went back to his dad in Colorado for a while. It was when we were able to take turns more like month by month or whatever before mm-hmm. he was in school full time. And I didn't I didn't think about it. like I knew he didn't really like want to meet. yet, it was before he met him and he didn't really like when I talked about him too much. But I didn't even think about this or consider this until he came into my room and he saw, like, his stuff in there, his toys and different things. Your son? Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, oh, what do you mean? And he's like, why is all of his stuff in here? Why would you do that to me? Huh. Yeah, like, he didn't even want a reminder that I had a son. And he would he would be like he'd be like that really hurts me like to see this stuff and you should have put it away before I came here <laughs> yeah and like and now I look back and I'm like laughing and I'm like W T F but yeah. but in the moment I was just like oh my gosh okay like I'm so sorry I didn't even think about it yeah so like I was apologetic yeah now I'd be like. Uh, You know. (laughs) Sir, you can leave. You can leave, sir. (laughs) In some not nice words just saying. but yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, so, Mm. and I think that was not segues really well into, like, what the most painful thing was for me was when he would bring up my son in that way.
0: Mm.
1: And that's when I, like I said, that's when I got hit the most because I had no fire for myself anymore.
0: Mm.
1: I had no fight for myself anymore. But, like, when it came to my son... And him calling him things like retarded when he was mad at me or, you know, he he came from the the first guy I ever slept with um, before my – like you'd always just mention how many people I'd been with. Like you're sloppy thirds, you're this, you're that. Um, but with my son, it was just always like I think there's something wrong with him. He's retarded or, or just all these things that he would put – sometimes even like doubt in my mind that maybe my son needed to get tested for autism or other things. Not that having autism would be bad. Mm -hmm. Not at all. Mm -hmm. I think autistic children are beautiful. And a couple of our boys are even slightly on the spectrum. Like I don't, I love all children. Mm -hmm. And so like, it wasn't that, but it was just like this doubt. And then it was almost like he always made me feel like, there was something wrong with him and I needed to fix him Mm -hmm. because again, that was just another way to like hurt me and bring me down and bring my son down because it made him feel better because, you know, whatever was going on in him and then him not liking my past. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, you know, I think that and anything with my son and then anything with like worship, and I would tell him, you know, at first he would be, like, in that honeymoon phase, which was, like, the first seven or eight months we were together when I went through my pregnancy with a son that was adopted. Um, like, we met when I was, like, two months pregnant with him. And we were friends during that time. And he would just, you know, be so sweet during that time. But afterwards, like... he was sorry, He was sweet for
0: seven to eight months.
1: Before? Sweet-ish. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like the first few months especially. But again, yeah. the, looking back, I realized like even a little while before I had my other son that it was the, the verbal mm-hmm. and emotional mm-hmm. abuse that had started and the manipulation without me even realizing it. And I still thought he was like sweet to that point. Yeah. But after I had my second son and the adoption process went through and all that, it was like a flip of the switch switch. and then all of a sudden it was like even more intense and even more just like it was wow it was a huge difference it's terrifying so but yeah i'm thinking anything with that and anything with like worship he would just put me down like he'd want me to lead worship some of the time within the church but then if i didn't do it the way he thought i should have he would like talk down on me during it Mm -hmm. so That was really
0: painful for me because I've always known that that was, like, a huge calling in my life was to do worship, so. Yeah, and you have, like, a huge—for those listening, you've never heard Tashina sing, but (laughs) she literally is one of the best—truly one of the best artists, I think. Like, you have such an incredible voice. Thank you. And so, I mean, of course, he, yeah, was tearing down a gift that God gave you.
1: Yeah. Well, and— you won't say this, so I'll say it. Maya has a gorgeous voice too, oh. <laughs> so <in all> <laughs> side, I like singing with her. So, um, but yeah, I think the moment that really made me want to leave um, was that last time when we were driving down the road, and uh, yeah, we, I was I was driving, and it was my car, and we were close to being back to my parents, which I was staying with them again at the time, and. It was, yeah, it was a little bit before a turn where it'd be like two miles from them. And he punched me so hard in my stomach while I was the one driving Mm. that I almost blacked out. And I do, I believe it was the Lord that just covered me with his grace and protection and kept me awake because I was trying like everything within me to like stay conscious. Mm. And so, um... Yeah, so we pulled over, and I opened the door, and it was my car. Like I said, it was my car. I didn't even care. I didn't even care if he stole my car and I never got it back. Like, I literally opened the door Mm. and just ran as fast as I could, like, the two miles to my parents' house. Mm. And then I told them everything, and then we met with the pastor, and I shared with them. And, you know, they were so loving about it, and I was just like, man. And it did make me think, man, I should have come to them earlier, you know, but... Mm. um. Yeah, that was the moment. And what is really like I look back and I'm like, why did I even do this? That was the last moment I had like a real relationship with him. But then a while later, I wanted to make sure he knew that I forgave him. And he ended up contacting me and said that he had something he wanted to give me. And then we ended up talking for a little while after that. And I was just like, what am I doing? Hmm. Like I got out of this and I was like getting sucked back in. Yeah. But then, thankfully, it was so much easier that time because I knew what it would be if I, like, got back into a full relationship with him again. I was just like, yeah, bye. We're done for good, and I'm never going to contact you again. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that was was the moment. And so glad that it wasn't even any longer than that (laughs) because it was already a long enough
0: time with him. Mm -hmm. So, and I think, like, you choosing to leave and and then i mean <laughs> i need to really figure out what the statistic is here because i keep talking about this in the last episodes but <laughs> um this like the chances are so high that that um someone who leaves will return and i forget how many times that they'll return but it's like it's quite a few before they successfully leave if they leave and uh so uh, you choosing to, like, like leave and, like, leave for good, um, obviously there was, like, that temptation to, like, return back because it's really all that you knew, like, you knew. Yeah. And there's, like, a trauma bond. You get so comfortable being treated so poorly and having to constantly, like, seek uh, validation from somebody who treats you so badly. Like, it doesn't sound like a relationship worth staying in, but it's actually really hard to, like... Leave it, get out of it, and then to even recognize like I am valuable and I am worthy, and somebody else is going to treat me better and love me, because like you don't even think that that's possible. I know I didn't. I, you know, and you know that it is because <laughs> of the testimony that I mean, the testimony that the Lord's given you, but the like redemption in your story, it's so beautiful and it's like incredibly encouraging for me and. It's an example, like your life now. Uh, So I think that leads us into the next portion.
1: Yeah, um, my vision and dreams now, like where I'm at in life now. So um, a lot of my vision and dreams have to do with domestic violence. Um, And I incorporate that like in music. So I'm a local artist and we're actually currently about to start the production on my second music video for my second song that i uh, co-wrote with the producer and you know he asked me he said what's the storyline what's your vision and um i was just like i wanted to introduce domestic violence into this music video Mm. and i want it to speak to people i want it to speak life into people who've dealt with this Mm. and there's other messages in this music video too but so through music and also i help Um, you know, I helped lead some of the songs up there on worship. I'm part of the worship team. I'm not the worship leader, but, um, yeah, just that avenue, being able to do that again and not have someone like trying to control what I do. And then like the redemption that has come with that, even just from like, it's so funny. I'll give you a really good example. Even a few weeks ago, I like thought of a random song that I always loved and I never led and my worship leader was like, worship pastor, he was like, wow, this is an oldie, but a goodie. That's so cool. And we were running through it. And I was like, oh, sorry, I've never done this before. So like, this is new for me. And he's like, wait a minute, you've never led this song before? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, no, I I never, like, I wanted to, but I was never given the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, Opportunities that were often taken away through things that happened with him and I. And I was just like, wow, God, like, Mm -hmm. even now, even now you're still doing this. You're saying, I'm going to give you back those things that were stolen from you Mm -hmm. and I'm going to give them back to you a hundred percent and more. And just what he's done through that um, has just been, and honestly, just like in general though, um, doing some of the one-on-ones with some of these ladies um, through uh, another thing that we're all connected with. um, It's uh, the Phoenix, Mm -hmm. just doing that. And then um, just a heart for some other ministries that would be involved with that as well. Uh, Talking and praying about leading a women's sexual abuse group and then a mental health group as well. Mm. But um, yeah, my biggest heart I think is music. And again, the Lord just keeps like, I met with a girl today. And I was so surprised. Like, She started telling me her story and she had gone through some domestic violence. And I've known her from... I've known her the last few years. Um, and I was just like, how did I not know this? Mm. But it's more common than we think about. It. It's just the fact that, like, we a lot of people don't talk about it. And that's why I love so much that we're talking about it now. And it's being talked about more because it should be. Yeah. So. It's, yeah. But I think. So, yeah, ministry wise and, like, dreams and visions just continue to do music and allow God to, like, work through that and use my story for his you know, glory, whatever he wants. And I keep saying, God, not what I want, not my heart, but yours. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's another thing is like another redemption. My husband, like he's my best friend and he is the most amazing man I have ever met. Mm-hmm. We're both fallible and we all, we went into it knowing like how fallible we are. Mm-hmm. This is like a side note, but I feel like I should say that when we first started getting to know each other and we first did like our own little like thing, just us, I purposely went in with, like, no makeup, grungy clothes, my hat, and I was, like, determined because I didn't want to <laughs> ever be with a guy again. I was, like, I'm content, Lord, to be a single mom the rest of my life, <laughs> and then I was, like, this guy's gonna see me at, like, my absolute worst right from the beginning, like, <laughs> there was <laughs> no, no like, yeah, no, no, I was so real with him, um, <laughs> and thank God that I was, truly, because the Lord knew, like, that my husband would love that, and, mm. and it was, like, he, it was, like, it was like my husband knew everything that I needed to hear without even hearing the rest of my story yet. Yeah. And every moment since then, every place I've been in that I had a bad memory with my abuser and all these things, those have all been redeemed. And my mm-hmm. husband even purposely knew some of the spots and he said, let's go there. Mm-hmm. Let's make new memories there. So you don't have to keep driving by there walking by there and remembering that. Mm-hmm. Let's create something new for you in that. So...
0: If that isn't redemption, I don't know know what is, truly.
1: (laughs) It's true. And he did, he's so kind and so gracious. And yeah, he's human. Like we get mad at each other and we fight and we resolve and all that. But Mm. he is so kind with my past. And the first few were really rough. I didn't realize I had that much healing to do still when we got together. Mm. And he just always lovingly was like, okay, let's do this. Here's the next part. I'm going to help you. And he would never be like, well, I'm not that guy. So I shouldn't have to go through this with you. He would never do that, not Mm -hmm. once. He never made me feel bad for the fact that I was
0: still going through some of the stuff with previous people, Mm. so. I think that, like, moves my heart. I always get emotional, like, every time you talk about that, because (laughs) um, it's just, like, I don't know, I think, like, having gone through what you have... um, to have it come full circle and to have the beautiful family that you do i already know like you just would never take it for granted in in general um because it's just who you are but i think you you really like learn to appreciate like the little things and the big things but i think the fact that he was so intentional even to support you in a way like You know, let's go create a new memory here so that you don't have to, like, think of this location like this anymore. Um, It's beautiful. And it's, yeah, it's like, I always think about that when I'm uh, tempted to settle.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, you're used to being with someone. It's like, there's always going to be that temptation. Yeah. So I think that's like... um,
0: Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, and I think, um, just to add to that is like, I think that sometimes like, and I know that a lot of people, like, I know that like people who have experienced, um, like domestic abuse, um, can relate to this is like, uh, that you don't think sometimes that somebody could love you, um, knowing all of, like, the trauma that you've been through, Mm -hmm. but the fact that, like, you have your husband, and he knows everything from start to finish, and he's, like, he's, like, not just willing to, like, work through it with you, but truly, like, uh, set an example for, like, what a godly man is, and a godly father, and he loves, it's just, I don't know, the whole thing is just, it's truly the Lord's redemption at its finest.
1: Well, and something that Isaac said to me in the beginning when I thought he was going to run and hide behind the hills when I told him the rest of my story on our, like, first official date. He looked, I remember he looked me right in the face. And, You're expecting me to run right now, aren't you? And I was like, uh, kind of, yeah. He's like, I don't scare easily. Mm. And he said, your past, the only reason why I care about it is it's formed who you are now. And I really, really like who you are now. Mm. Like, I really care about who you are now. And it's made you the person you are and how strong you are now. And even throughout getting to know each other, dating, marriage, everything, even up to this point, there's always still moments where he's like, he's like, I love how strong you are. So, you know, we're all like strong in God. He said, but I love that everything that you went through has made you as strong as you are now. And you amaze me every day. Mm -hmm. You know, he says that to me a lot. And I think it's like the Lord knows that I need someone to reinforce that for me sometimes. And it always ends up saying it like at the right moment when I need to hear it. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know if if there's one thing that I can say to the listeners. I wouldn't say just like one thing, but like to sum up, to encourage all of you is that um, you're not alone. Even if you feel like it, you're not alone in this. Um, and you're loved. And my hope and prayer is that anyone listening who's walked through this, that you don't feel shame. Um, and I really hope and pray that you can surround yourself by the right people. And I also want to say, to really encourage you that if you're going through it and you want to leave, or you're just getting through it, Or you've gotten through it, but you're in that struggle part of, like, not finding that right person yet, whether you have kids or not. There's the right person out there for you. And, yeah, don't settle. Hmm. I feel like my story definitely reinforces that. You don't have to settle. And, yeah, sometimes it's rare these days, to be honest. Um, It doesn't mean it's not out there for you. And you can, you can absolutely have that story. And I'm not going to say, like, that Prince Charming story because I honestly believe that's a load of crap because, yeah, he's going to be your Prince Charming in some ways, but, like, he's not going to be perfect. And to me, like, saying Prince Charming implies that they're perfect. Hmm. He's not going to be perfect. He's going to be perfect for you, if that makes sense. That's good. And I love saying that. Because he's valuable, just like we all are. Whoever mm-hmm. you're gonna meet someday, that's gonna be the right person for you. But, but God has already placed them to be, like that match for you, mm. even if it's down the road. So don't give up hope. Stay encouraged. And um, yeah, just keep chasing your dreams. Mm. Doesn't matter how old you are. I'm 34, and I'm just now like trying to pursue music again with the local producer and I just don't feel like, you know, and I'm like talking about like a side career of pararescue, all these things. And I'm like, I'm 34. Like, I, <laughs> but you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like, never too, too yeah. Late. So it, it is, it's true. It's never too late. Hmm. So just don't give up and keep pushing through even on the hard days. And just remember that even if you don't know someone personally that's been there, there are people out there who have, so you're
0: you're not alone in this. Yeah, yeah. So good. <laughs> Tashina, thank you so much for coming on here today. I'm super grateful to have you. And next week, uh, tune in. We are um, nearing the end of Season 1, and we will begin Season 2 soon. Um, yeah, thanks for listening.